Hi, beautiful, and welcome to Self Carve, a podcast all about self love and success. I'm your host, Ivana Ritchie, and I'm here because I want you to have it all. I don't want you to settle for less. I want you to carve yourself and create the life of your dreams. And because of this, not only will I be sharing my knowledge with you, but I'll be inviting some amazing women who are all highly successful and they will be sharing their stories with you as well. A woman who's self-carved knows that there is nothing she can do to change her past, but that she has all the power and all the magic to create the best version of herself and attract anything that she desires from a man to money to whatever, right? So I'm so happy that you're here. Let's get started. Welcome back, self-card. We are here for another episode. Today is going to be super interesting. I have Candace Smith with me today. She is an award-winning certified educator and a couples intimacy coach. She specializes in sex and intimate communication, and she has a degree in sexuality studies from Harvard. Her mission is to provide couples with age-appropriate, relevant sex and intimacy education. She and her partner co-founded the Kink Kit, the first experimental kit for couples to play their way to better sex and intimate communication. So as you can hear, there is a lot that is going to come with this episode, and I'm super, super excited to take it to this direction. So let's welcome, welcome Candice to this episode. So happy to have you here. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to uh, start this conversation. I think it's so important for uh, so many people to be uh, more open and uh, normalizing the taboo around sex and sexuality because it's such an, uh, an unexplored topic. Absolutely. And as that's the case, what made you want to do this? Like, what was it that happened in your life? What was it that brought you to this place where you decide, okay, I want to educate people about sex and intimacy and how to neutralize that? Yeah, I think for me, it was a complete lack of sex education um, that I had in my childhood. I still have not had the sex talk with my family. Um, <laughs> we just, we never talked about it. It was always something um, that that was seen as shameful. And even when, um, actually my dad uh, searched my browser history when I was in high school and saw that I had been uh, searching some interesting terms in Google. Um, he, he asked my grandmother if she would speak with me about it. So there was, there was really this, um, this discomfort around uh, sex. And so my own version of sex education, as I just mentioned, came from the internet. It came from looking at porn and, and um, you know, developing kind of harmful uh, and frankly, untrue beliefs about what my body should look like, what I should sound like, what I should act like, how I should perform. And uh, I decided when I got to college, I didn't even know that there were classes about sex, um, but I, I found one. <laughs> and I ended up going into women, gender, and sexuality studies because I was so fascinated um, to talk about the taboo. 
and to see how it actually can affect people's lives and to see how it affects relationship power dynamics. Um, and that in, in combination with the fact that I, um, I myself am a victim of sexual assault when I was in high school and I didn't really know, I didn't know what that was, um, like how to deal with it. I didn't know how to heal from it. I didn't know how to talk about it. And frankly, I had internalized the belief that I, uh, that I was the one who asked for it, that I was the one who, who kind of brought that on myself. And so it took me years to figure out how to, um, even, you know, even with, with, um, studying, sex and sexuality and consent and relationship power dynamics, it still took me years to figure out how to ask for and advocate for my own pleasure and what I wanted. Um, and so I figured this is, this is a, a, a career that I want to be in. I want to help other people and other women uncover, um, uncover the shame that they internalize and figure out how to how to lead a, a pleasure positive sex life and and have uh and have healing i love that i love that that's that's so important definitely don't hear uh and see a lot of women or men in general to doing this so i think that's amazing um i'm sorry about hearing about your experience i experienced something similar too and it was a very uncomfortable situation where I didn't really know what to do, but I just spoke up and I realized in that moment, wow, <laughs> how many women and, and men also is this happening to? So I think that's, that's definitely uh, amazing what you're doing. What has, what has been like the biggest aha moment or what's been the biggest thing you've seen that has made you realize that this is what you really, really have to do as you've been working with these couples, as you've been working with women, what is it that you keep seeing coming up over and over again? So to clarify, you're asking me about the aha moment that makes me know why this is what I want to do or like patterns that I'm seeing. Yes. So, okay. This is a reminder of why I want to do this, but then also you keep mm. seeing something that maybe you didn't expect, but it keeps coming up over and over again. And you're like, okay, yes, this is why I'm doing it. But also, wow, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of this part, maybe. So that makes me want to uh, work even harder and continue with this. Sure, sure. So for me, the big aha came when I was in... Um, when I was still in, in ed tech, so I actually went into education after I graduated from Harvard. I went into Teach for America and I got my master's in education. I was a secondary uh, teacher and I, I, I was still interested in sexuality and sex education, but I didn't, I was still figuring out for myself how to talk about it and, and what to, um, what, what my, where my interest even lay there. And I was in ed tech at the time and that was right. I, I would say right around the time I decided for myself to explore kink. And 
that led to a radical aha moment for me um, because it was the first time in exploring with someone sexually that I was ever asked to openly communicate what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I realized in that moment for myself, firstly, that I, I really wasn't given the tools to adequately communicate what I thought was pleasurable. I had always just gone along with what I thought my partner might have wanted or always trying to please them um, instead of thinking about what pleased me. And so in, in realizing that, that actually ended up helping me start to heal and figure out how to advocate for myself with confidence. And in doing so a few years later, so I, I, I ended up going and, and researching more and diving back into like consent power dynamics and relationships. And I, I got really into the academics of it. And when the Me Too movement came around, I started reading so many other stories of women who even if they were in healthy relationships or if they were you know, dating someone that they were crazy about, they could still get into these situations where they didn't know how to advocate for their no's because they didn't know how to advocate for their yeses either. And that's the big issue that I keep seeing as I'm working with, I mean, now that I'm, I'm fully into sex education and you know, I have my business, the kink kit, and I'm working with clients I still see that over and over this lack of understanding of what pleasure means for us and that translating into a lack of understanding of where our limits are. And so that's the big thing that I keep seeing over and over. And that's what I ultimately end up working on with my clients. They don't expect to start working on our yeses and our noes and, and things like that when we start working together, but it, ultimately always ends up there because the question is what do you really want and a lot of times people just don't know hmm. wow yes yeah that's that's powerful because it makes me think about it makes me think about that a lot of women we don't we don't really fully know who we are so it's kind of the same situation because we've never really been full, uh, fully aware of you know, all the greatness and the goodness that we have within and we haven't learned how to work on ourselves in terms of loving ourselves and things like that. It's kind of like the same thing. So we're not learning how to be the, the best version of ourselves. And then also in turn, we're not learning how to figure out what we want, what we desire and all these things. And then we suppress it. And then like you said, we just go with okay, what, what is this, <laughs> what does the other person want? So I think that's, you know, that's a cru crucial point to understand. So what would you say needs to happen in order for people to be able to express themselves without that shame, without that guilt, and be able to say, hey, you know, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and have it in a way that it's, you know, it's not taboo, it's okay to express these things without feeling, feeling that sense of guilt or shame? Well, I think in many ways it, it starts internally um, reminding yourself that you are worthy of pleasure and that you are worthy of, of having um, a pleasurable sexual experience. I think a lot of times I, I work with clients who have internalized so much shame around what sex and pleasure is for them that 
their entire definition of what a sexual experience should be is defined by what they think their partner wants. And that's especially true for women um, because of the prevailing social norms that, you know, a man is supposed to know. And of course, uh, backing up here for a second, I am speaking about a heteronormative male-female relationship in, in this particular moment um, that women learn that men are just supposed to know what to do and they're just supposed to know how to please them and to speak up and to advocate for something that might be a little bit different or to, um, yeah, just even speak your mind is uh, running the risk of hurting their ego. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to make your partner feel like they're not, um, like they're not good at sex. That's emasculating, right? And so a lot of times women will just stay silent instead of speaking up for and, and realizing that they have the right to speak up for what they want. Now, of course, that's, uh, that's me saying that and someone can hear that and say, yeah, but I still don't feel comfortable doing that. And I think the, uh, the other mindset shift that needs to happen in addition to realizing that you are worthy of pleasure is realizing that your partner wants to make you feel good. Your partner wants to make you feel good. And the way that they're going to make you feel good is by you instructing them and giving them a glimpse into what is going on inside your head because we're, we're not mind readers. None of us are. Right. But if you tell your partner, hey, this feels good to me, I would love if you could do that more. Or, hey, I loved what you were just doing right there. Could you slow down a little bit again? Because I, I, I want to keep feeling that. Right. So gentle instruction um, is a great way to open up that conversation towards advocating for your own pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So would you say that has basically everything to do with like your relationship with yourself, the more you care for yourself, the more you love yourself, um, the more comfortable you're going to feel to speak up about these things. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Ivana, I just wanted to let you know, I don't know if this came up in the recording, but your voice just broke up there. And I don't know if that came through. Yeah, it, I, I think so, because it said uh, no internet connection for some reason real quick there, and then it came back. So let me let me say that again, then, and I'll cut this part. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I definitely agree. And would you say that the way that we express ourselves with our partners has everything to do with our relationship with ourselves, right? So if if I love myself, if I feel comfortable in my own skin, if I take care of myself, I'm going to feel more comfortable to express what I want without over worrying about what my partner is going to say or what my partner is going to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the more that we love ourselves, the more that we're able to be open to receive love. Um, I will say as well, though, in, in working with women who are healing from trauma, sometimes that those feelings of self-love can be a little bit buried. Um, and so one of the ways that I recommend women who are struggling to overcome those feelings, overcome the triggers and the, and the trauma, um, and, and allowing them to step into understanding their worth and understanding their right to pleasure um, is through opening up communication about what you're going through 
uh, or maybe just where your headspace is at. You don't necessarily have to dive into details, um, but just opening up the lines of communication with your partner uh, in a way that they understand how to be compassionate for you and how to be there for you so that you can start learning to love yourself again. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I think it's important that we do touch, <laughs> touch upon that a little bit more. Uh, for the woman who's been who's listening right now, who's been sexually abused, who's going through some type of sexual trauma, how does she learn to love her body? How does she learn to be comfortable with having sex? How does she become comfortable with having that open line of communication with her partner? And do you recommend that she takes that time off for a while to heal? Or has it just happened to be different for everyone? Well, I think the journey to healing is definitely different for everyone, but I think the one common factor, if you have faced assault, if you have um, faced trauma in your past and you, whether it's recent or it was a long time ago, um, I think the common factor for everyone should be to, to go and speak to a professional, to um, talk about what happened to you. Uh, even if you feel like you're okay and you've compartmentalized it and you've put it away and you're able to handle it, um, the insidious thing about trauma is that it, it gets into our subconscious and our subconscious, um, it, which is in our brains, obviously our brains produce hormones and our hormones go into our brains. And so our trauma literally physically becomes a part of our bodies. And so you carry that with you. You carry that, that repressed memory with you. Um, and the best way to start to heal is through speaking with someone who can help you start to come to terms with what you experienced and help you begin to move forward and help you begin to heal. And I think that should be the first step. And, and if you've uh, if that wasn't your first step, that's okay. You can always go and, and speak to someone at any part of your healing journey. Um, but I do think that that should be a common factor uh, before you even begin thinking about um, opening up with a partner or engaging in sex or anything like that. I do think that that should be the first step. Absolutely. It makes, makes, it makes total, total sense. And I was just wondering... Have you found that these conversations have been difficult for couples? Let's say it's me and I'm expressing it to my, to my husband and then he gets defensive or internalizes that and thinks that something is wrong with him because I'm not ready yet. How have these like interactions been with, with the clients you've helped so far? Yeah, absolutely. I think that for couples who are struggling um, the big issue, I mean, it always comes down to communication at some, in some way, shape or form. Um, the question is how the question is what to say, when to say it, um, and what words specifically to use in those moments. And I think when there is a lot of tension between a couple, uh, and one of the partners or both of the partners are healing from trauma, the question, um, becomes, where are you right now? And, you know, being able to communicate where you're at, where your headspace is at, and that it's not their fault. You know, they, you, you cannot place blame on them. They should not place blame on themselves. Um, 
and giving a clear understanding to the partner of, hey, I may be feeling triggered sometimes from XYZ touch. I do want to move forward with you. I do want to heal with you. Um, but let's move forward and, and have some sort of um, a code or a discussion about what it looks like for me when I'm in my triggers. And here's what I need from you. Here's, could you please support me in this specific way? Maybe you need to be touched more. Maybe you need a hug. Maybe you don't need to be touched at all, right? Everyone's going to have their own different ways of coping. And so by opening up those lines of communication and letting your partner know that you want their help, you want their support, and this is what you want that or what you need that support to look like goes a very long way in opening up those conversations. Sure, absolutely. And I did hear you speak about it in a different podcast about how sometimes when you don't really know what to do, and there has been a lot that's been built up and this person needs to get it off her or his chest that you can sit down and have um that you can talk to each other i don't remember what you called it but basically i'm talking and you're just listening and you're listening to understand you're not really responding but you're just listening to me and you're not trying to make any type of uh, reasoning or excuse any of the shame or guilt that I'm feeling. And I, I really, really like that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an active listening exercise. So the, um, the partners agree to sit down and whoever needs to share in that moment has five minutes on a timer. And those five minutes are your five minutes. If you want to be silent, if you want to just say one word and stay silent for four minutes and 55 seconds, that's your prerogative, but that time is yours. And as that one partner is speaking, the other, the listener is only allowed to nod um, and otherwise just stay silent. You're not uh, supposed to ask any questions or offer any feedback because the purpose is really to validate the partner who is, who is speaking and give them the opportunity to just share without judgment. Um, and afterwards, when you debrief and, and you talk about what you both heard, the purpose of the exercise is to validate the partner, not by trying to solve anything, because uh, I think you just mentioned it as well, shame is not something to be solved, um, but it is something that can be shared. And the, the power of a secret is dispelled the more that you share it, uh, which is really what goes a very long way in, in helping um, unburden the partner who is who is feeling that shame and who is feeling that trauma. Sure, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, do you find then that this open line of communication, um, communicating and talking about these triggers, making it a healthy environment, and just healing together? is what's along with right all the tools and the things like um the games and all of the things that you're creating are you finding that being the making a huge difference in couples like in terms of their relationships and them going forward them having that line of communication that open line of communication seeking help on the outside when it's needed and then just actively doing that work together have you seen it been more successful than not? Or do you see a lot of couples break up 
while a person is still going through these triggers and this trauma and they're not able to work it out. So with the couples that I have worked with, we've seen complete shifts, 180 shifts in the way that they're able to communicate with each other. Sometimes um, other issues do come up, you know, and if, there, if there's a lot of elephants in the corner of the room um, and you just open the door on one, maybe there are some other things that the two of you may have been um, bottling up, but the purpose of the work that, that I do is to show couples how to communicate and uh, most effectively how to open the door and, and uh, to speaking confidently about advocating for your needs and your wants and your limits. And from there, if additional differences or conflict does come up, you are then equipped with a toolkit, with a communication framework, with the active listening strategies, um, even with some games that can help, help you and your partner rationally approach, you know, removing the emotion, how to remove the emotion, um, and, and begin to start rationally approaching some of these differences. Um, we've, we've only seen massive shifts and we have not yet seen any, um, any breakups come out of beginning this healing process together. And that's amazing. I love it. That's awesome. So for for the woman who's listening, who's not in a relationship, who is either healing or is still experiencing some type of side effects from her trauma, what would you tell her in terms of the importance of loving her body? And how does a woman go about that? Because I'm seeing that being a huge issue, whether it be I'm too skinny or I'm too big or I can't keep this weight and then being super insecure about that. And that follows into future relationships. So how do we how do we learn to love our bodies? I think that learning to love yourself and learning to love your body um, starts with your ability to accept and appreciate pleasure. Um, I know that not everyone will necessarily think that way, but I think that when you I think that was one of the the major shifts that I had. For myself um, because I very much did not appreciate my body um, and I, I closed myself off even though even though I engaged in masturbation I did not love myself I did not love on myself I uh, refused to accept and receive pleasure especially oral pleasure I'd be like oh don't worry about it I'm fine <laughs> like let's focus on you instead um, but actively taking the time to accept pleasure in your body um, instead of just masturbating, which actually a lot of my clients that, that start out with me, they say, yeah, you know, maybe um, for, the, for the ones who do masturbate, they say, yeah, maybe we, we do or I do uh, touch myself, but it's very robotic, right? It's just getting to an end goal and that's it. Um, take the time to really love on yourself. Take yourself out on a date. Even if you're staying at home, you know, prepare like you're preparing for a sex appointment, you know, like get, get in a bubble bath and luxuriate in, you know, some nice bath salts and scrub your legs and, and, um, 
do whatever makes you feel sexy. Put on makeup if you want to. Uh, wear something that makes you feel um, sexy and confident. And then make love to yourself. And just take time, like slow down and mindfully touch your skin. And, you know, don't just go straight to your um, pelvic region. You know, actually touch your extremities, touch your fingertips to fingertips, feel what the skin feels like uh, on the inside of your elbow, you know, and, and really get in touch with the senses um, that you normally don't pay attention to. That's a great way to start loving on yourself to help you begin to love yourself. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't pay, we don't think about that too much. I was just talking to a woman in the lobby and she said, well, people don't think about it until somebody brings it up to them. So I think that's definitely, definitely a huge eye opener for, for a lot of women for sure. And I can definitely see how, how that can be super helpful just to love on yourself and get fully in touch with yourself the same way as we wouldn't want somebody else or a partner to, you know, dive right in. We want them to be considerate and sensitive to us and, um, you know, love on us. So I, I, I love that. Definitely. In, ter in terms of, uh, <laughs> in terms of, since we're talking about it already, when you're talking about masturbation and making love to yourself, is that something that you recommend your single and your couples who are in relationships? Or is that more for the single people so that they can learn then how to later express their wants when they do commit to someone in the future? I love that question. I love that question so much because I get that question all the time. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yes, everybody should masturbate. Everyone. Absolutely. I don't care if you've been in a relationship for years. It does not matter. In fact, studies have shown that the more that you masturbate and the more that you pleasure yourself, the more likely you are to engage in spontaneous sex. And I get a lot of questions from couples, especially ones that are in sexless relationships that are struggling with, you know, mismatched libido or, you know, after baby. And they're saying, you know, we just, we don't have the time. We don't have the time. I'm like, well, you have the time to touch yourself. You know, maybe it's a lot of emotional labor and, and maybe even physical labor getting in the mood um, to engage in sex, but it does not take that much effort to love on yourself. So absolutely, uh, masturbation brings everybody closer. And I think it is a vital part of any relationship that um, both partners still be able to maintain um, their own agency and just being able to touch yourself whenever you want. You know, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that all of a sudden your body is signed over to your partner, right? You still have the right to experience sexual pleasure by your own hands. So absolutely. Interesting. Yes, absolutely. It's like, it's okay to love yourself to a certain extent, but when it comes to pleasure, that should just be assigned to your partner, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but. that's, that's the common, that's the common uh, thought is like, uh, I can't tell you how many times I get this question of, you know, if I, if I masturbate, isn't that, um, isn't that insulting to my husband? Is my husband not enough? 
right? Mm -hmm. That's always this question of, you know, is, is, is my vibrator going to replace my husband? That's a common question that I get. Absolutely not. Your vibrator is not your partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but don't you, think, don't you hear a lot of men say like that they, they, feel, they feel inadequate or they, they're not doing the proper work if their woman wants to do that? I have heard that too. And, and I usually say, well, then you haven't experienced the joy of a vibrator. <laughs> down there because I enjoy good vibrations too. Um, in fact, I actually recommend for some of my couples who are a little hesitant about playing with toys to bring them into the bedroom together because uh, vibrations enhance sensations for anybody with any body. It doesn't matter. Yes, absolutely. I think it's so, I love it. I love that we're talking about it because I, I, I hear it often. So I <laughs> wanted to bring it out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, these are common misconceptions and they all go back to these societal myths that the man is supposed to know what to do in a relationship. And, and he is the, he is the provider. He is the provider in all things, right? He's the provider in sexual pleasure and he's the provider in orgasms. And if you don't have one, then it's probably on you and not on him. And these are some of these pervading myths that, that, um, that we start to internalize and it forms our beliefs about ourselves and our ability to have and achieve and even be worthy of pleasure. Yes. Yeah. So do you find that it leads, it leads to more, uh, what can I say? When a, when a woman does it more that she starts embracing and loving her body more, uh, that's the first part. The other part is, do you have any type of recommendations on like how often, anytime I feel like it, I should just do it or, when I'm starting to question my body, I should show it love. Like, what is your take on that? Is it just like, oh, it's up to you. But then doesn't it become that a lot of women don't do it at all because they're like, hmm, I just did it yesterday. <laughs> right. Um, I think, you know, obviously within reason, you don't want to be, uh, you know, calling out of work because you want to take some time to pleasure yourself or anything like that um, within moderation, obviously. But I do think that it should be part of a, uh, it should be part of any self-care routine. And I think uh, in the past few years, at least this, this term of self-care has become more and more prevalent. And I think sexual wellness is just as much a part of self-care. There are so many studies now that talk about the health benefits the mental health benefits as well of orgasms. The more that you orgasm, the happier you are, the more endorphins your body has, your brain has. It helps you think about the world more clearly. It helps, it helps you sleep if you have insomnia. It lowers incidence of heart, um, of heart disease. Um, it lengthens your life. I mean, there's so many different reasons why uh, and, and that's not even getting started on how it makes sex better or how it can make sex better. And 
I bring up orgasms not to shame or, or make anybody feel left out if they aren't currently achieving orgasms either. I do, uh, I do believe that any kind of sexual touch and even just getting in touch with your body, overcoming what I call the pleasure disconnect, which is when your brain and your body are, don't feel matched up in terms of arousal. Maybe you don't, you're just not in the mood or, or you feel like, you know, there's nothing going on down there. I hear that quite a lot. Um, when in fact, it's, it's just a disconnect. Your brain is not in touch with what it feels like to be aroused. So that's where I recommend making that a more, um, a more regular part. Even if you just take five minutes before you go to sleep or when you wake up in the morning, five minutes out of your day just to touch yourself. You don't necessarily have to achieve orgasm, but just to feel what that feels like, it's, it's part of what being alive is about. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. Super, super important. I love it. Oh, a lot of good information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I mean, well, you've got me on my soapbox now, but uh, yeah, I can keep going. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Okay, so we talked a little bit about what you can do in a relationship. Uh, we talked about the healing process. We talked about loving your body and um, pleasuring yourself. How about the part where we want to lead new conversations with our kids and schools, just amongst each other? How do we make that more okay? How do we make that happen? Sure. Now, everyone, everyone has a different understanding or um, belief system or background in terms of what they think is appropriate. Um, and I generally recommend for parents who are uncertain um, or, or for family members, if a, if a family member is tasked with speaking with, you know, one of the younger generation um, and they're wondering what to do, there are um, a number of different resources out there now um, on the internet that can help um, broach these conversations and they even give conversation starters um, and different topics, even videos um, that children and, and adolescents can watch. If you don't want to go that route and you just want to start having these conversations or are wondering like when is when is too early or what topics can I bring up first, I think um, discussions about consent do not have to be sexual to be discussed and understood. I think having um, and modeling what appropriate intimate communication looks like, it, again, doesn't have to be in a sexual context, but just modeling with, a, with your partner or even within other fam uh, with other family members, um, just being open about conflict, negotiating and communicating calmly um, can go a very long way in helping children develop a healthy understanding of what proper intimate, intimate communication should look like. Um, and when it comes time to talk about body parts, to talk about sex, um, I do think it is important to mention these things without shame, without, uh, without shaming yourself as well. Going back to this idea of modeling, don't shame your body in front of your children, you know, build your body up, 
talk about how beautiful and strong your body is. Um, and your children will learn that as well. And um, if you feel comfortable, talk with them about the potential for pleasure. Sex is not just um, about pregnancy and STIs and things like that. It's, it is a pleasurable activity and it enhances, it has the power to enhance your relationships. So why not talk about that part? Um, and lastly, I, I and I, I know that some people will disagree with me on this one, but I think that parents should talk with children about porn. I absolutely think that they should talk with children about porn because they're going to get exposed to it. Um, there are different studies that estimate that children as young as six and seven years old are getting exposed to porn at school, um, whether it's on smartphones or things like that. Um, and being informed is, it provides your children with the tools that they need to understand what they're seeing. Um, and it helps them not make bad assumptions. It helps them not make, um, or, or, or not distort their view of what sex should be. Because remember, porn is, is professionals. They are hired actors um, working in, uh, you know, in front of a camera. It's, it's not authentic. Um, so yeah, those are, those are just some of my thoughts about what um, ways that we can start bringing up um, sex to children. Yes, I love it. I totally, totally agree with you. Uh, I grew up in Sweden and it was, it was different there. It was okay to talk about sex. It was okay uh, for young girls to walk around without a shirt and a certain age uh, even at the beaches and things like that but then when I married my husband and I brought him over to Europe and he saw it so he thought it was obviously weird because he had not been around it and he's like hey well you know it's it's dangerous I'm like well that's not the problem the problem is the lack of education and you know we're not talking about these things but us not talk not talking about it doesn't you know, that doesn't create less problems. It's quite the opposite. And I'm seeing that too with the shootings and the suicides and all these things and the bullying that is going on. It's like, we don't want to talk about it. We think by not talking about sex or not talking about suicide, that, that it's going to solve its own problems or something. So I, I love how you're bringing it up to even talk about porn because it's, that becomes a part of a person's most people's lives right so let's talk about it let's figure out figure out a healthy way to to deal with it or how to approach it so I, I definitely love that let's let's talk <laughs> yeah exactly let's talk about sex <laughs> just like the song goes um, yeah it's it's so important to approach um, what could be seen as difficult or awkward or uncomfortable conversations openly um, and with, with a willingness to, to learn as well as to teach. Um, because when, when you approach certain difficult topics or, or uncomfortable things in life with this attitude of shame, it becomes suppressed and then it becomes repressed and repression has a terrible way of um, 
acting itself out in other ways. And I think that's where you see a lot of uh, aggression, you see a lot of violence um, and, and abuse, whether it's self-inflicted or inflicted on others. Uh, I think that's where a lot of anger and rage and, and hurt comes from in, in society is suppression and repression, whether it's sexual or otherwise. Um, so the best thing that you can do is approach these conversations with an open mind and an open heart. Yes, I love that. So let's heal ourselves, our relationships, and the future generation. I love it. Yes. Sure. So Candice, for everyone who's listening, you had mentioned to me that you wanted to share something with the audience. You have a little something special for them that you wanted to share. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two separate offers. The first one, if anyone is interested in trying out one of our King Kits, um, we have a discount code. Uh, so if you go to thekinkkit.com uh, and type in the code SELFLOVE10 in all caps, you will get a 10% discount on any order site-wide. And if uh, you are going through some intimate issues and you need someone to talk to, I also offer a free under the covers consultation call. So in an under the covers consultation call, we dive under the covers and uncover any intimate issues that you may be facing and, and give you some suggestions on how to go about communicating with your partner. And you can access that under the covers call at www.2totango to T-O, Tango, uh, dot love, and uh, sign up for an under the covers call with me. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. That's awesome. Better jump on board. Yeah. <laughs> sign on up. I'll be here. <laughs> so if they have any questions, they just want to chat with you, follow you, schedule future sessions with you, how do they connect with you? Yeah, so you can check us out at The Kink Kit. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Pinterest. Uh, we are also on Facebook. And for women who are interested in um, opening up more of this conversation with other like-minded women who just want to learn more about sex and intimacy, um, we actually have a private Facebook group for women uh, and women identifying individuals called Sexy Not Sorry. So feel free to search for us in Facebook and, uh, and you'll get a direct line to chat with me as well. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you for sharing. I love that name too. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Candice, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this wonderful knowledge. I have definitely learned a lot. So I know whoever's listening has as well. So I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time to come on here and share all this beautiful, beautiful sex and intimacy stuff you've shared with us today. Of course. It's my pleasure. I, I can't shut up about it. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> I, I've, I've greatly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about ways that we can love and learn to love ourselves. Yes, yes. Love it. Me too. Well, thank you. We'll be in touch and we'll talk soon. 
All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.